Good morning. Welcome to the gathering, the Christmas gathering of Recreate Church. How are you guys this week? Man, y'all don't act like it's Christmas at the end of the week. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Um, we, uh, we need to have a little excitement today. We do. It's a lot of good things happening. I'm so glad to see each and every one of y'all. Um, we busted out the ugly Christmas sweaters. I think the contest will be won probably by Diane, who has a Bob Ross ugly Christmas sweater, which is, I'm going to call that a beautiful Christmas sweater. I'm excited today. We have some folks here with us I don't always get to see. My favorite Marine is here. Hey, Matthew. How you doing, man? Matthew was with us all the time, but he went off to the Marines, so I know you'll probably whip me after this, but I couldn't, I couldn't let it pass, man. Hey, guess who else is here? It's my, it's my Christmas present. My beautiful wife is here in this morning service. She's usually at the evening service, so yeah. Check out her Christmas sweater, and when you get the chance. I consider it to be a bit of a warning. It seems to be a warning to me. It's got a gingerbread man, and it says, Oh, snap, and the gingerbread man is snapped in half, so I walk a fine line. You know, it's been kind of hard for me to get in the Christmas spirit for a few years. We've had a rough few years. Anybody else had a rough few years and it's been a little harder this year? I just want to give God the glory. A lot of things have changed, you know. It's, uh, it was so hard for so long. We had like 10 years where it seemed everything was so, so hard. And, and then it started to change. So I give God the glory, you know. Even if it's been bad for a long time, it can get good. Did you know that when uh, Jesus arrived, when Jesus was born, God's people had went through a long period of difficulty leading up to that. For 600 years prior to the birth of Jesus, empire after empire marched through the promised land, taking it over. They, they were not in charge of their own destiny all that time. Even when Jesus was born, the Romans were ruling everything. And for 400 years before Jesus was born, there had been no new word from God. Heaven had been silent for 400 years. But then, the, the, the sky was suddenly full of angels singing the good news that God's Son had come to earth. So it goes to show you folks, it can be dark for a long, long, long time. And it can seem like the darkness will never end. And then there can be that moment when the skies open. And things change. So I, I give God the glory. We got something to celebrate. That even, even, even when the night seems so long and so dark, the sun is on the way. Not the S-U-N sun necessarily, but the S-O-N son of God. You know, they were excited to hear about Jesus when he was born. And uh, we might wonder, how did the first Jesus followers celebrate Christmas? We think, well... They should have really celebrated, right? You know, that first generation of believers that knew Jesus personally and those who, who became believers in the generations that followed the next couple hundred years. Well, how did they celebrate Christmas? Wouldn't that be interesting to know? Well, you might be surprised to find out the way they celebrated Christmas was... They didn't. They didn't really have Christmas. Now, they were thankful that Jesus was born, no doubt. But there wasn't anything like uh, an annual holiday for a long time, at least 300 years later. And it really didn't catch on for like another 
thousand years, and most of the Christmas traditions that we know and love didn't happen until even later than that. If you were to talk to some of the Jesus followers from the first century and tell them you were going to wrap up some boxes, um, first they'd ask you, what's cardboard? Um, if you're going to wrap up some boxes and you're going to put them under a tree that you decorated, they would, they would not... They would pray for you, probably, because they would not know what that was all about. Um, that's not to say that celebrating Christmas isn't a good thing. That we can't... Hey, Elijah, you're going to help me with the verses, right? Thanks, man. There we go. He wanted to operate the computer, but he's, he needs to be in, in place. So it's not to say we can't celebrate Christmas. Christmas is great as long as you have the, the right heart. But as we all know... Although Christmas is technically a religious holiday, it's only about as religious as you make it. It's not always that religious in practice. But if the celebration that Jesus has come to earth changes the way you live in a positive way, man, that's a good thing. One such fella whose life was so changed uh, by the knowledge of Jesus, uh, he lived in the 4th century. And... He was impacted so much by faith in Jesus that he was so generous that his name is still connected with Christmas even to this day. He was a church leader in the city of Myra in what is now western Turkey. It was a, it was a Greek territory at the time. This guy was a bishop, and that's just a fancy word for a pastor, really, when it comes right down to it. This bishop's name was Nicholas. Nicholas came from a well-off family. His parents were very wealthy, and, and when they passed away, he came into a lot of money. Now, we might expect for a young man who comes into a lot of money suddenly to make some, uh, how can we put this, very, uh, ad, I'm going to say adventurous decisions with the money. You know, you come into a lot of money. It's maybe not always um, the best decisions made, but Nicholas wasn't like that. You know, even today, we maybe we don't have that much money, but most of us live with the assumption that it's all for our consumption. You follow me? That whatever we do have is just for us. And Nicholas saw things differently. He, he saw the commands of Jesus and he understood that what he had been given, his blessings, he was supposed to bless others with it too. So that's what he did. He, he tried to help people. He, he went around helping people and he tried to do it as secretly as possible. He didn't want everyone to know. You know, Jesus taught that when you give, you're not supposed to sound a trumpet. You're not supposed to try to draw attention to yourself. And that, that line about the right hand and not knowing what the left hand is doing, that's kind of what it was. It was about giving and not trying to draw, you know, make a show of it. So he ran around secretly giving. He heard about this one family who had a big need, and he wasn't sure how to get some money to them without them knowing it was him. So he came up with a plan that he was going to climb on their roof. Probably not a great idea, but that's what he did. He climbed up on their roof in the middle of the night, and he dropped a bag of gold down their chimney. He evidently saw there was no smoke and then no fire, so he dropped a bag of gold down the chimney. It just so happened that a member of the household had hung some stockings by the fireplace to dry. And somehow, that little bag of gold bounced and landed in the stockings. Well, that's neat. 
That's a cool, we should do something like that, you know, hang up some stockings and, and maybe put some, put some stuff in it. That would be fun. We should, we should do that. that I think that's a good tradition. So uh, Nicholas went around being secretly generous like this for a long time, but eventually they found out it was him and he had a reputation for giving and people really appreciated him so much that later on they started calling him Saint Nicholas and and the story spread far and wide and inspired a lot of generosity and a lot of giving the the Dutch people really loved the story of Saint Nicholas and they told that story all the time and in the Dutch language Saint Nicholas um, is center Klaus that's how you say it in Dutch uh, my Dutch isn't so good I, Duncan probably knows some Dutch and could straighten me out on that but um that's all the, the extent of my Dutch right there, center Klaus. And when Dutch immigrants came to America, they brought the story with them. And the name changed up a little bit more. And to this very day, children of all ages await the arrival of Santa Claus on Christmas night. Isn't that a great story? That's fantastic. You know, it's amazing how time and tradition can transform a, a story from kind of where it came to, to where it is now, and that seems especially true when it comes to, to Christmas, right? We know Christmas is supposed to be about Jesus, but that gets buried under a lot of tinsel and wrapping paper, and we can kind of forget what it's all about. But even, even so, Christmas introduces us to the Christmas Jesus, and not always a lot more. People love the Christmas Jesus. The Christmas Jesus, that's a good Jesus right there. Christmas Jesus. How can you not love a sweet little baby in a manger? If you don't love a sweet little baby in a manger, you need to go talk to somebody. <laughs> sweet little baby in a manger. And a uh, manger is a feed trough. <laughs> so he was kind of from humble, humble beginnings. And uh, I know what you're about to say. Uh, my mom said that they laid me in a feed trough when I was a kid. I don't know if they was trying to feed me to something. I'm not sure. But uh, that's what, that's, that was, we grew up pretty well country down in the, down in the big metropolis of Dugspur. Anybody know where Dugspur is at? Anybody representing Dugspur down in here? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So um, Christmas Jesus is so much fun. Sweet Christmas Jesus. Baby Jesus in the manger. He doesn't ask very much of us. He doesn't ask us to change our lives. He doesn't ask us to make different choices. Christmas Jesus is just chilling there, looking so good, giving us all the warm and fuzzies at Christmas. And, and when we're done, we can pack him up in the box and have somebody tear, carry him out to wherever you store the Christmas totes, and it's fine. I'm here to tell you, the real Jesus he don't go back in the box. He refuses to be packed up with the Christmas presents. Uh, I'm here to, to talk about Jesus on another level. Not very far from where St. Nicholas grew up, there was a little group of Jesus followers in a city called Colossae. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Colossian believers, and we have it preserved in the New Testament. It's the epistle to the Colossians, or we might just say the book of Colossians, or just Colossians. And the Apostle Paul wrote to these folks and he explained to them that Jesus is so much more than they even understood at the time. He was explaining to them Jesus on a much higher level. Not just Christmas Jesus, you know, 
eight-pound, six-ounce newborn baby Jesus with his golden fleece diapers and his little fat, balled-up baby fists. Some of y'all know where that quote comes from, and don't rat me out on it, okay? It's, uh, <laughs> thanks, Nick. Whew, okay. Um, it's not just 12-year-old Jesus whose understanding of the Scriptures baffled the teachers at the temple. It's not just carpenter Jesus who was nailing up wooden beams knowing full well that at some point he himself was going to be nailed up. It's not even just miracle-working Messiah Jesus, as amazing as he is, uh, healing the sick and raising the dead. Not even just, if we may even use the word just, resurrected Jesus with his victory over death, hell, and the devil. Today I'm going to talk to you about the Jesus that Paul talked about in Colossians 1. This is what you might say is cosmic Jesus. Cosmic Jesus. Cosmic Jesus. I know that sounds like the title of an indie rock album, okay? Or it makes you think of cosmic brownies near and dear to my heart. Do you know they make a Christmas version of that? With They're like cosmic brownie Christmas trees. We, those are Yeah, those are good. I thought about finding some, but uh, didn't quite have time. Cosmic Jesus. See, Jesus is more than one thing. He transcends. He transcends eternity. And I, I want to introduce you to this cosmic Jesus today. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is our text. It isn't a typical Christmas scripture. If, if you'll bring that up, please, young man, the, the, the next one, the, the scripture there. Okay, so, and you can use the arrow keys to tab through it. I'm going to read this for us and then I'll pray and then we're going to dive into the text. It goes like this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Mm, that's good stuff. And with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will open your word to us, that we might begin to understand something about this Jesus that is so much bigger than Christmas or anything else. In his name we pray, amen. So you should be able to tab forward to verse 15 again. There we go. We're first told that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. There are times in the Bible where God appears in the form of a, a, a pillar of fire or a pillar of smoke, right? There are times when he appears as a very large person sitting on a throne, but God is not a material being. God is spirit. You, you can't put God in a jar. You can't locate God in the sense that you could locate matter. You know, he's, He is something beyond all of that. He is the invisible God. So how do you see the God who is invisible? All right. The disciple and Philip, the disciple Philip once asked Jesus, 
please show us the Father. That's what he asked him. Please show us the Father. And Jesus replied, Why are you asking me to show you the Father? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. That's John 14.9. In another place, John 10.30, Jesus said it just plain as can be. I and my Father are one. Ooh. You see, this is where it gets a little... A little sticky. Because people don't mind Jesus as the Christmas baby. How can you mind the Christmas baby? It's so wonderful and sweet. And most people don't mind the idea of Jesus being a good teacher or a really good man. Really good man. It's when we get down to the claim that Jesus made of being God. That's where we run into some trouble. You see, at some point, we have to make a choice. Are we going to believe the claim of Jesus that he's God in human flesh or not? Most religions give some kind of credit to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, he was a great teacher. He was a great man. You know, he was all this and this. But don't you see, if we believe that Jesus was a good man, but we don't believe his claim to be God, we have a problem. Because a good man doesn't make a false claim to be God. It doesn't add up. Someone who makes a false claim to be God is not a good man. They're a madman. Jesus cannot be merely a good man. He's either God or he's a crazy person. We can't have it both ways. So, if you meet someone and they claim to be God, probably you're dealing with a crazy person, okay? And I mean that, I don't mean that in a mean way. Uh, the first church where I was pastor was right along a, a major um, travel artery. I was out in Metazodan, and, and the, the Blue Ridge Parkway's right there, and we had some very interesting folks coming and going there. And I had one guy walk in, he was about six foot four and about 300 pounds. And um, he talked to me for a while, and then he said, well, I am the second coming of Jesus, and I'd like to talk to your church. And that's when I was praying for my one young strong deacon to walk in, just in case we had to throw hands. Wouldn't that be a fun story to tell? You know what happened during the Sunday school hour? The pastor had a piss fight with a crazy man. But uh, you know what? If it comes down to it, y'all got my back, right? Y'all back me up, okay? I see, I see some, okay, you know. Uh, my, my own son says, heck no. Thanks a lot, buddy. Wow. <laughs> you know what? Christmas just changed for you, young man. <laughs> but, you know, okay. The problem with the gentleman who walked in my office that morning and said, I am Jesus, is he couldn't prove it. He couldn't prove it. The thing is about Jesus, he didn't just make the claim, he proved it. He, he did the miracles. He fulfilled the prophecies. So many prophecies from the Old Testament He fulfilled. Maybe as many as 300 by some counts and more to go. 
He fulfilled the prophecies. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He gave the blind their sight. He raised up the lame and made them to walk again. And the biggest one of all, he predicted his death by crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection, and then pulled it off. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. You know what? I call that proof. That's proof. And that changes things. You see... He's still, oh man. See, Jesus is still working miracles today. Has Jesus done anything to change your life for the better? Anybody? Let's hear an amen if Jesus has done anything in your life to help you change it for the better. There we go. Absolutely. See, Jesus isn't just the Christmas baby. He's not just a good teacher. He is God. He is the cosmic God. Now here's where St. Nick comes back in the story. I'm glad to see him again. You see, he once went to a large gathering of of spiritual leaders, of, of pastors and bishops. And, and if you look it up in history books, it is called the First Council of Nicaea, if you want to look that up. The purpose of this gathering was to rally around a common understanding of who Jesus is in relation to God the Father. Now, Nicholas and nearly all of the pastors present we're convinced that Jesus is one with the Father. That, that Jesus is God incarnate, God in human form. They had studied the epistle to the Colossians that we're reading today. and They had studied other passages of Scripture, and they were firmly convinced that Jesus is, is one with God. And they, they were all together. However, there was a teacher named Arius who showed up at this meeting. And Arius taught something very different. Arius did not believe that Jesus was one with the Father. He, he taught that Jesus was a created being. That he was not fully divine, but he was a really, really good man. We've already shown the, the fallacy of that logic. That's not going to work. They, he, he taught that Jesus pointed the way to God, but he wasn't God. Well, you can imagine as this guy Arius is spouting off this teaching that is just not in line with the Bible, that it was people were getting upset, right? I mean, how would you feel if someone walked in and, and took the mic and started talking about stuff that you know wasn't right? You'd be upset. Well, all these guys were getting upset, and it seems no one was more upset than Nicholas. Nicholas was so convinced that Jesus is the Son of God, one with God, and he's listening to Arius, this false teacher, just keep going on and on, and, and he was getting madder and madder. And you won't believe what happens next. Not clickbait, Isabel. It really happened. What we think? St. Nicholas, jolly old St. Nick, got out of his chair, walked across the room, and punched Arius in his big, fat, false-teaching mouth. So, you didn't get that in the Santa stories you were growing up, right? Okay, you know. The, um, the whole sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, that thing's all, that's always sounded a little um, sinister to me. It's a little sketchy. Why are you watching me? Um, but this takes it to a whole other level, so I have to change up the song. He hears you when you're speaking. He knows when you're off base. Better stop all your false teaching or he'll punch you in the face. <laughs> I'm just telling you. 
you sing, Santa Claus is coming to town, and this time it's personal. You know, it's like, wow, holy cow. See, the idea that Jesus is just a good teacher is so utterly false that it puts Santa Claus in a fighting mood. He's not just the Christmas Jesus. He's not just a good man. He's not just a baby in a manger. He's the cosmic Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the fullness of God in human flesh. Verse 16. If you'll find verse 16, Elijah, you'll have to page forward a couple times. You just use the arrow key, bud. All right, he'll get there eventually. Jesus is one with God, and that includes his role as creator. We read, for all things were created, for, for by him, by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All right, remember Arius, the false teacher who, who uh, had a little run in with jolly old Saint Nick? Well, at the core of his error was the idea that Jesus was a created being. It's true that Jesus' human body was formed in the, the womb of Mary. That he did have a, a material part that did come into an existence at one time. However, Jesus is eternal. He, he, wasn't, just, he wasn't created, but is rather the creator of all things. All things were created through him and for his glory. I want to show you John chapter 1. I think we'll pull that up. John chapter 1, and just a preface here, the context shows us that the Word is Jesus. So I'm going to read it like that. The Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. <coughs> Jesus had been with the Father since the beginning, long before Bethlehem, long before the angel made the announcement to Mary that she was going to be with child. Before anything else was created... Jesus was there because he isn't part of creation. He is creator. Um, second part of verse 15, I think you'll be able to tab forward to that. Second part of verse 15, no, you're going to have to keep going. Keep going. Second part of verse 15 says that he is the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn. Got any firstborns in here? Any shake, wave, just a couple. Firstborns, yeah. Firstborns, yeah, we got a few. Okay, we're the learner kids. We're like the first pancake. They turn out a little weird. And uh, my firstborn child is looking at me real sad, like a sad pancake. Um, yeah, we're the learner kids. The, the other ones came along, and they knew a little more what they were doing. So, hey, sort of, you know, do the best you can. I'm, I'm three kids into this thing. By the third one, I kind of knew which end was up, sort of. Um, don't look too much into that. Uh, <clears throat> But anyway, he was a firstborn, yes, in his family. However, this isn't talking about birth order. This isn't birth order. This is about authority. Now, I know the firstborn kids, 
if you have older siblings, they thought you, they were the boss of you. Okay, I get, I get that, I get that. And um, frankly, as a firstborn child, it makes sense to me. So uh, I get it, but that's not what this is really about. You see, firstborns in Jewish culture, in first century Jewish culture, they were expected to have a leadership role in the family. They were expected to, to be in that role and, and to take care of things. Jesus is not born in the sense that he came into being at some time. But he is in the role of firstborn over the family of God. As the son of God, he has leadership over the family of God. Not because he was created first, but because he was first before anything was created. Verse 18. Verse 18 says, Jesus is firstborn from the dead. Interesting. What a phrase there. Firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have preeminence. Jesus is the first to be raised from death to eternal life. Yes, other people were raised from the dead, right? Most famously, Lazarus. But what happened to Lazarus and all those other folks? Eventually, died again, died again, yeah. But what about Jesus? Jesus is the first to be raised from the dead to never die again, raised to eternal life. Verse 17, oh, I like this. This is science-y. I like science. Verse 17 says, He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. For a very long time, scientists struggled to understand how atoms, the, the smallest little bits of matter, were able to hold together. Maybe you remember from high school science class that you have like protons, neutrons, and electrons, and they have electric charges. And when electric charges are the same, they re repel each other. When the nucleus of an atom, there's lots of neutrons, and they all have that charge, you know, or protons who have a positive charge. So they're supposed to push each other apart, right? But they don't. They don't. Everything should fall apart, but it doesn't. It took them a long time to figure out, and they still don't understand. Particle physicists believe they have discovered something called the strong force. The strong force. Doesn't that sound like a cheesy 80s cartoon? This Saturday on the strong force. You know, I was, I was there. Some of y'all weren't there for the 80s. It was lawless times. Crazy. No seat belts, mullets everywhere. We're back there again. The mullet thing. Anyway, it was crazy times. The strong force, though, wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't some cheesy 80s show designed to sell action figures. It's, the strong force is what they call uh, this force that holds the particles, the little bits of an atom together. And interestingly, whereas most of the physical forces, when you increase the distance, it weakens further away from a heat source and it's less heat, right? Well, the strong force, the more you try to pull the atom apart, the more it pulls it together. Very interesting. Science hasn't figured all of this stuff out. They're, they're getting there. This much I do know. That whatever the strong force may be in its essence, there is a stronger force behind it. There is the force that brought the strong force into being. There is a creator. There is Jesus. And in a very real sense, he's the reason that the atoms in our body don't 
fall apart. In him, all things consist. They hold together. And if he can hold the universe together on an atomic level, what do you think he can do for you and for me? Mm. Jesus, as the baby in the manger, that's familiar. That is comforting. Yes, let's celebrate that. And the nativity scene is, is beautiful. I like nativity scenes. But Jesus is so much more than the Christmas baby. He is the cosmic king. Verse 20. Got one more verse for you here. And Elijah, you can just put it on that and leave it. Verse 20. You can bump the sound down just a little bit. Thank you. Verse 20 says, Jesus is the way. No, leave it on. Just bump it down. It's okay. We're training as we go. There you go. Now, just turn it down. Hey, how about a hand for Elijah? Hey, you got it. That's what we call on-the-job training. We do that sometimes. Um, Verse 20 says, Jesus is the way the Father has chosen, and in the words of the Scriptures, to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Jesus reconciles our broken relationship with God. He reconciles our broken relationships with each other. And He reconciles our broken relationships with ourselves. You ever felt discouraged with religion? I have. God ain't offering religion. He's offering Jesus. A relationship with Jesus And by that, we are reconciled to God's. God the Father, He wants to be a part of our lives, and that's why He sent Jesus. Not not that He's cosmic God, but He came to earth, y'all. He came right down to earth to live among us, to, to know what it's like to experience all of this because He loves us. He was working before Christmas, and He's working to this day. And it's about time that we trust Him at the next level. What would it mean for you to trust Jesus at the next level? From wherever you are now, whether it's zero, as in, hey, I don't know if I believe any of this, or or maybe you've been walking with him a long time, what's it look like to go to the next level? Let's, Let's pray right now. Lord, I want to pray for us and for everyone receiving this message that we would go to the next level with you, that we would see Jesus on a higher level, on a cosmic level. Lord, take us where we are right now and move us higher in our understanding. Lord, I want to pray for anyone who has never trusted in Jesus to be saved. That they'd call on His name, ask for forgiveness of sins, and be made new. Lord, I want to pray for anybody maybe who's already done that, that they would trust You at a higher level. That they would their faith would go to the next level. God, I pray that for me. Thank You for what You're doing in my life. Thank You that when my life felt like it was falling apart, You were holding it together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, you guys. Love y'all. I'm so glad that you're here and here and part of this. And hey, let's uh, we'll pray for each other, right? Pray, um, pray for Billy Honeycutt. He's having some serious health things going on. Pray for him. Hey, pray for me. I start a new job tomorrow. 
that's a pretty big deal for me and my family because I'm, you know, where I'm not, I'm not full time with Recreate yet. I'm working a regular job. So, so pray for me. I'd appreciate that. So, hey, that's it. That's all we got for you today. Elijah, you can, you've done a good job over there. You can start the post service loop for us. Get us a little Christmas music going. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas and I'm going to see you back next week and you're going to be wearing your, your new Christmas clothes, right? And it's going to be fun. See y'all.